Welcome to On Off Topic. What's going on, Andrew? Not much. What's going on, Brad? I told you I told you I was ready to go, and then I started talking about something unrelated again. Yeah, you did record, and I was like, ah, oh, oh no, no, yeah, it gives a three, two, one countdown. Yeah, we didn't. You didn't give me one of those. You just went right into it because Zencaster does it. Um, I wasn't on. But anyway, <laughs> we're finally recording because Comcast is terrible. Yeah, does your house still have internet or not? Uh, they finally showed up today. Mm, yeah. So no. that's what. No, last night. They were supposed to show up today, originally. Four or five days? Yeah. Thursday so I, to Monday night? Oof. Thursday night, a, like a dump truck, like a landscape dump truck towing a construction trailer with another landscape dump truck on top of it. Right. It was like dump truckception. Yeah. Yanked the cable wire off my house. Right. Um, and, so and my neighbor's house, apparently. So apparently a landscape truck carrying a, another landscape truck is taller than an 18-wheeler. Yeah, I mean, barely. I've, I've watched 18-wheelers go by, just, just barely touched this wire. This is the second time it was torn down this year. It was torn down on Super Bowl Sunday. By a, cause the, but it was a snowstorm, and the snow weighed it down, and the plow truck, dump truck, grabbed it. Right. Understandably, during a snowstorm. Sure. I mean, uh, I think it should still be higher. Like, did Comcast build a stanchion off your house now to raise it another couple of feet? Because they probably should. Uh, yeah. So it's like at the same level as the power cable now. And okay. it's so before it just ran across the street. It was just bolted to the little cable distribution thing on the pole. Now it's actually looped up and lagged into the pole. Okay. So that makes more sense then. So but anyway, they were supposed to come out. Be over now. Yeah, and the, and the last time they came out the next day, I was like, all right, whatever. Surprising, because it was like a snowstorm. But then this last time, they were like, oh, yeah, they'll be out between 6.30 a.m. and 11.30 p.m. And I was like, what? That seems insane. Nobody's going to do that. 11.30 sure p.m.? Enough, yeah. Huh. And sure enough, nobody ever showed up. Never confirmed an appointment. Never sent me an email for like three days. And then we finally got a confirmed appointment, and it was on tuesday it's so annoying and th- then finally like we did finally get to like a higher up person and they're like well it turns out it was because you needed to get a police detail because you're a busy street i'm like well i wish they just told me that uh, i would have been fine if that if i'd called them up thursday night friday morning and they were like all right next appointment's tuesday okay that's fine i would have been waiting every day for three days for someone to show up yeah, Comcast's not known for their best customer service, obviously. Plus, like, I know police officers in Peabody. Right. Like, hey, you want to come do a detail? Yeah, we'll request one. I don't think that's how it works, but if it is, that'd be great. <laughs> well, at least it's fixed now, so that next week when you're, you know, ready to record again, you'll be able to record again. So, obviously, you're recording from elsewhere tonight. I'm sure people can hear the slight difference in sound quality. So, we'll Yeah, I'm traveling for work, so... Yep. Um, hopefully we'll I have enough to internet to even upload this I'm sure you do if you have enough to record it you should have enough to upload it um, if not then you can just upload it when you get home and nobody's the wiser I'll do it at the office while I'm doing other stuff <laughs> no one knows what day it is um, this. yeah hey you ever heard of the um, cool guy old lady thing with cars cool guy old lady yeah uh, give me a little more than that. 
All right. So like, you know how like cross tracks have all these cool colors. Okay. Or Subarus. It's like either a cool guy or an old lady. Ah, okay. And I haven't, I found I haven't heard the, of that, but I've, I've found it's the same with, uh, Volkswagens too. Like okay. golfs. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I guess because it's like, so like I went to target the other night or the other day and I'm in my car and I parked kind of far away. And then like a space away from me, this lady pulled up in a Mark seven GTI, great falls green. And like, I just happened to get out at the same time. I was like, Oh, great color. She's like, yeah, it's great color. Right. I'm like, yep. Old lady. <laughs> so, but then like my coworker I work with, he's got the same Mark seven GTI, great falls green. Cool guy. So it's like, you're either a cool guy or an old lady. Who defines what's old and what's cool? No, you're either a cool guy or an old lady. Oh, okay. So, like our friend Chris, um, cool guy, has a Great Falls Green Mark Seven GTI must be. Cool I hope. Guy. Yeah, so I'm like a cool guy. All right. All right. But like, if nine times I mean, out of ten, you're not a cool guy because you don't have a GTI. You have an all track station. But it's you're... a cool color. Okay, sure. But you're more, you, know, you lean more towards old lady. Yeah, there's a lot of old ladies that drive all tracks. Yeah, it's usually old ladies. Same thing with same same thing with cross tracks. Like if you see a bright orange cross track, it's typically an old lady. Yeah, I mean, and, and define old lady because you know we don't want to we don't want to not offend people. So, is an old lady somebody who's sixty or somebody who's seventy five? I guess it's a someone over fifty. Oh wow. That's uh, that's cutting it close. It's cutting it close. I don't really like that one yet. It's only ten years my senior. Oof. Anyway, so I'm going to cross the threshold from cool guy to old lady real fast. Yeah, but only if you had like a you got to get like a, a semi popular car that comes in really bright colors. Okay. I, I, I see it. I have I have noticed that actually with the orange Subaru Crosstracks. It always is. I see like, it a lot with GTIs. Like and I see it a lot with Alltrax and Crosstracks. Well, I don't have to worry about it because I never buy the popular car in a bright color. So I think that uh, I'll forever be. I guarantee you that with your, your Volkswagen wagon, there's a lot of old ladies that drive them. Honestly, and I can only say this based on red wagons because I noticed the most. Um, it's mostly dudes who seem to be about my age. Gray beards? Uh, you know, gray hairs, maybe if they don't have beards, but yeah. There was another one that when I first moved out here and I was doing the Uber before I got an actual job out here, there was another guy in an identical um, tornado red wagon, TDI, that did Uber pretty much on the same schedule I was, it seemed, because we were always at the airport parking lot at the same time. Um, and the only identifiable differences between our cars were his head, a broken taillight, and a broken headlight, and a dented rocker panel. But other than that, it was the same car as mine, and uh, we were always together in the same place. And he was probably, if I had to guess, in his early to mid-40s. Uh, and everybody else I see with one is generally what seems to be like maybe an older car enthusiast. So older meaning like early middle age, which is where I classify myself, I think. Um, in the year of 2021, that's probably where we're at, right? 40s, like early middle age. Yeah. So 
somebody in the early middle age, somebody who probably grew up with GTIs like myself or other sports cars and uh, had to grow up a little bit and bought the station wagon. Um, actually, that would be you too. So not quite yeah. as, yeah, almost the same age, a couple years behind me, but, you know, early middle age, grew up with sports cars, needed a more responsible adult vehicle and went with the sportiest option possible, which is a golf wagon. So I, I, I get it. And I, I haven't noticed the old ladies driving it. I, I do notice that orange super cross tracks are almost exclusively driven by little old ladies. Yeah. Easy to spot in the parking lot. Hey, it's funny. I used but to there's read, like 10 of them at a time. I used to notice that back in the nineties, like the mid to late nineties that eighties, three series BMWs were all driven either by a young punk kid or an old lady. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess that kind of, uh, is the same, the same genre of things. GTIs, I'm telling you, and golf cars, you'll notice now, it'll be like a young person, cool guy, or it'll be like an old lady. Okay. I have a co-worker who I would, you know, I shouldn't guess women's ages, but I would guess it's mid-30s who has a golf R. So, But I think it's cool because guy it's... Or an old lady. It's just like a... It was, it's like one of the best hot hatches you could buy for the money. So oh, it's certainly why. Because <laughs> there's not very many options as for hatchbacks. I think and it came only, with violet purple, which she fell in love with. I think it's like the only true hatchback you can buy. It probably is. I mean, I guess the Crosstrek is kind of a hatchback, just a little taller. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't go so far as to call it an SUV or anything. But that, that's an interesting an interesting thought. I've never I've never thought about that. And But like I said, thinking back to... Um, three series BMWs in the mid to late nineties. It was the same, uh, probably moving into the two thousands, uh, Acura Integras were like that. Acura Integras were always like, so like a, yep. was that DC Integra, the four round headlights. Those are always driven by like either a young guy or an old lady and nothing in between. So I, uh, I, I guess I agree with this without ever even known it existed. So neat. So. The elephant in the room. Questions. Yeah. We asked questions like forever ago, and uh, we had never answered them because we did a whole podcast where we forgot to go back to the questions we asked. We totally did. We got carried away and spent an hour rambling about other things. So do you have questions pulled up, Andrew, to go through? I do have questions pulled up. So these are the oldest ones. Perfect. This is on Instagram or Facebook? Uh, I'm looking at Instagram. Okay. I actually was smart this time. I just screen grabbed them, so I don't have to switch oh, between apps. That I'm just going to let you do it then, because I was yep. sitting here trying to load the apps up. Nope. So you can read the uh, questions. Analog smog. Analog underscore smog. Uh, I'm going to be putting a new start on my Toyota 20R. And I'm thankful most repairs on old cars are much easier than new cars. But it got to me thinking, can you think of any situation where it's the other way around for DIY mechanic, where doing X repair on a newer car would have been easier? Can it just be a general thing or something specific on a car to a car you've owned? Hmm. Mm. I don't know that anything would be easier on a new car than an old car. Because most most of the repairs that you would do on a new car are sorry, let me rephrase that. Most of the repairs that you would do on an old car are still relevant on a new car they've just been complicated by more things on top of it. Like on an old car, you would have to change a starter, you know, do an oil change, change your spark plugs. All that stuff still exists on a modern car. 
it's just been overcomplicated with new things on top of it, right? So, I don't know. Maybe like plugs and wires is easier now because you just do a. Coil there's on. no wires. Yeah, there's no <laughs> yeah. wires. It's just individual coil, coil packs. Plug, yeah. Maybe that's um, one I can think of. Yeah, as long as they're on top, a four zoner, it's easy. I mean, there are things you don't have to worry about anymore that are on older cars that are not new cars. Like you don't have to worry about points. You don't have to worry about setting dwell and timing and all that stuff as much. Most of that is done through the I mean, I haven't, haven't had to do that for like 30 years, but. Well, I know, but I'm just thinking of old car to new car. So he, he's working on a 20R. He's working on a vehicle that could oh, still okay. have points, could still have all that stuff. You know, I'm not talking about a 93 here. I'm talking about a, you know, 70 something. So 20. Yeah, old, I think. Old. Well, actually on a lot of. So like that generation of like 80s Toyota. And 80s Japanese stuff. Toyota Corona, I think is what he has. Okay, but what I was about to say, so that, in that generation of stuff, I think doing brakes is actually harder because the rotors are captured. Yep, that's, that's a valid point. So, okay, uh, yeah, so in, in general, brakes because captured rotors and drums. Yeah. Whereas most new cars, not all, but most new cars have four-wheel disc brakes with just regular rotors that are not captured, so you don't have to do it. Yeah, brakes are so easy to do, disc brakes yeah. on a new car. As long as you know what you're getting into, because if you do brakes like in your Volkswagen... You need a special tool to turn the pistons back in. Uh, yeah, most cars in the yeah, rear. But nope, but knowing that going into it. So, well, the Volkswagens especially, you have an electric e-brake, right? No. Well, you don't. Mechanical. Nope. Oh, okay. Mechanical. So I, I know for a fact that the modern Volkswagens with the electric e-brake, you have to have something out of a special tool to do it. Yeah. You can't just yeah. do it with your... That makes it worse, tools. but in general, but I think it's still, are easier But going into it, cars. knowing that, going into it, knowing that, it's still easier to do that than it is to do... You know, a set of drums in an old car. Uh, Bolt-in wheel bearings have become more prevalent. Way easier. Yep. You don't need to press anymore. As long as it doesn't get stuck. But it also makes it easier to get out if it is stuck because you can hammer the bolts out. Right. And push and the wheel bearing. On the, no, more, no more pickle forks and yeah. annoying parts. Um, yeah, I, I think that those are probably the best, the best opinions of that. I can't think of anything else that would be easier or harder. I mean, most most things in general are harder because they're. And it, it's McPherson struts so much e- so easy to change. Yep. Yeah, springs and stuff on McPherson strut setups are easier than like a double A arm in a, you know. Nineteen sixties car where you have to compress a spring on the car and hope it doesn't kill you. At least by compressing springs on a McPherson strut, you have more control over everything. So I agree with that too. But yeah. Overall, obviously, I think that. At the end of the day, it comes down to lefty loosey, ready tighty. Like, it's not tremendously difficult to work on a vehicle. It's more a lesson in patience and knowing how to get to what you're doing. And new cars aren't much more difficult than older cars as far as actually working on the car. It might just be more involved as far as taking things apart. I think where the overcomplication comes is diagnostics. So it used to be simple on an old car because it could only be one of a couple things. And then you went into the 80s and 90s and cars got more difficult and more harder and harder to diagnose what the problem was. And then you got into OBD2 and you were able to diagnose them pretty easily as long as it was something that was in the ECU. But I think some diagnostics in modern cars is a little harder than... I think they're even... Cars. Well, as long as you have the scan tools, the newer cars are even easier. As long as you have a scan tool, I guess maybe you're right too. I don't know. I, I think that uh, you're probably right. I think brake rotors are 
brakes are probably the the biggest thing that's easier on new cars. Mm. I really hate doing captured rotors, especially on a front wheel drive car. Captured rotors in like a rear wheel drive car that has a normal wheel bearing in the front aren't as bad, but captured rotors on a front wheel drive car where you have the wheel bearing and the axle and everything all integrated together is kind yeah. of insane. My uh, my brown 1980 Colt was an absolute disaster to do front brakes on. It took me yeah, the Montero was that way. I'm not looking forward to doing the rotors. Oh, that's right, too. The Montero was that way, too. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing them on my red truck. So, But it's one of those things that once you've done it once, you know how to do it. It's not tremendously difficult. It's just kind of a pain. Question number two. Judge underscore Mills. What's a car that's on your buy list in 2022? Or if you aren't buying, what are you selling? Everything. Cleaning house. I, I, I don't know. I don't have anything on my buy list yet. I don't um, know. I need to sure. sell some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to sell some stuff. stuff. I, I also don't want to say I'm not buying anything because that always never works out. Um. I usually wind up buying things. I'm currently doing something stupid right now. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know what's on my buy list or sell list. I know that my Volkswagen is on the sell list. Um, I've talked about that a few times. I still haven't done the clutch in the car. It's just gotten worse. It's uh, at the point now where it's barely drivable, so I should probably do that. Um, going to sell that and then have the Saab be my daily for a little bit and honestly probably six months to a year i'll probably be selling the saab as well and i may sell the saab and the eclipse at the same time i'm not sure yet and use that money to put towards something slightly more exciting so yeah i want to be space so things would have to get sold but i also kind of like most everything i have yeah so. i i like what i have and I'm, I'm also out of space, which is why I'm thinking of moving some things. So I also was, somebody hit me up about the Galant today to buy that as well. So I need to chat with them a little bit and see where we're at numbers wise. And that may be sold too. So maybe this question is more poignant than I thought it was. Hmm. Um, I am currently bidding on a car at auction. Uh-oh. Yeah. So being as that I work at one of these auction sites now it's really a dangerous place it, it's kind of like having a drug addict work in a you know drug distribution facility um addicted to cars obviously and my job requires me to follow the market every day so i'm constantly in other auction sites so i don't miss much that comes up for sale anymore and there's a a site that's not very popular it only has I don't know, five or six cars listed on it right now. And one of them is a 1981 or 82, I forget exactly, Toyota Cressida. Uh, the thing is, the car is only four hours away from me. So that's like a day trip to go pick it up for the trailer. And it's a no reserve car. And I'm the current high bidder at $300. And there's only a day left in the auction. So here's where my problem lies with this car, though. Um, these auction sites, the way they work is there's a buyer's premium 
which is usually a percentage of the sale. Most of them are somewhere between 4.5 to 6.5%. But there's also usually a minimum. And most of them have like a 200 or a $250 minimum. Oof. So when you're talking about a car, it's 300 bucks, and you have a $250 buyer's premium, that $300 car is already $550. This particular website's buyer's premium minimum is $450. Well, Right. So when you're talking about a car that's maybe a $1,000 car, a giant percentage of that is going to be chewed up. A giant percent of your budget is going to be chewed up by this buyer's premium. So if it's a thousand dollar car and it's got a $450 buyer's premium, then I can hmm. only bid up to 500 bucks and still get the car. So if somebody bids me at $400 or $300, they go to 400 cause it's hundred dollar increments. I can go to 500 and be at yeah. 950 bucks and be under a thousand dollars and be, and be cool with it. But once he bids up, if somebody bids me on me now to 600, now I have to spend 700 plus 450. Now it becomes a losing proposition, and I don't want it anymore. Hmm. And if we were talking about a three or four thousand dollar car, it wouldn't be as big of a hit. But on a car that's, you know, listen, it's is the car worth more than a grand? Absolutely. But there's a lot of unknowns. It's uh, it's car was somebody bought a piece of property. The car was there. It's been sitting for twelve years. It does run and drive. Um, but I'm not looking to get into it for two or three grand. You know, it's something that if I can pick it up for a thousand bucks, I was going to buy it, you know, because why not? It's a running, driving car. It's clean. It's straight. It's in New Mexico. No rust. Um, figure that we have a car that I could clean up and drive and, you know, get out from under pretty easily. But the more I spend, the less that makes sense. So I think that uh, we'll see what happens right now. I'm the high bidder at three hundred dollars. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that and. I may be taking a road trip this weekend to pick up another Cressida. <laughs> we'll see. Huh. Last time I tried to buy something online really cheap, it wound up going for way more money than I expected. So that may be the case with this, or or it may not. But we'll see what happens. I'm going back to old Brad, unfortunately. But at least most things get worked on and run. Mm-hmm. Next question. Actually, yeah. Yeah, moving on. All right, so next to the original questions. Uh, Chris Mahi Mahi. So we're now on Facebook. Uh, My 15-year-old son wants an older car for his first car, specifically an RX-7. As a car guy, I love his passion, but as a parent, it scares me. What should I do? You spoke too fast. I missed the end of the question. Did you say, but as a parent, it scares him? Yes. Okay. Um, As a car guy, he loves his passion, but as a parent, it scares him. As the parent of a child who got their driver's license this year, it doesn't matter what they drive. It's going to scare you. Yeah. Um, I think that the best move, if it's financially, if you're financially able to swing this move, I think the best move is to get him a sensible daily. And, and then just share Chris's RX-7? <laughs> no, not share his current RX-7, but, but pick up another, you know, a project car for him to work on on the weekends. Something he can play with. Not a full project, something that already runs and drives. Maybe it's a little bit ugly. He can improve the way it looks and, and do some minor things here and there. And that way it won't be his daily transportation. He won't have to worry about driving it. You have to worry about your son driving the car every day. Um, you know, my daughter is driving a 2007 Subaru Impreza. Uh, non-WRX automatic. 
she's not a car person, so it's fine. Um, she does not have any interest in buying a old fun car, so I'm okay with that. But I think that something in the early 2000s is probably a good place to put a kid. Just two main reasons. One, obviously, safety and airbags. Uh, but the second thing is, and I'm not saying anything wrong about Chris's son's driving skills, but kids tend to bump into things in their cars. And if he's driving an RX-7, it's going to be a lot harder to get replacement parts. And if he's driving something fairly normal and sensible from the mid 2000 years, which you can buy something for four or five grand in the, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007, something reliable with easy to find replacement parts, I think is a more important thing than having the most fun car as is daily. Um, you and I both had sensible cars for a first car. And uh, I think that probably kept us out of more trouble than anything else, right? Probably. I mean, I, I had a 1985 Oldsmobile Cutlass that had maybe 53 horsepower um, when it ran right. And you had, what, a 1980... What year was your Volvo? 86. 86 Volvo 740. Mm-hmm. That had maybe three more horsepower than my Cutlass. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we, we couldn't get in trouble in those cars if we tried. And I know that once I got out of my Cutlass and I got into my Eagle Talon, my driver's license was not with me much longer after that uh, because I drove the car around too fast and I got in trouble all the time. Um, and that was being older than just 16. So if I had that quick sports car when I was 16, I think there may have been, there may have been some issues. <laughs> so I think the right move is to get a, a sensible, normal car for them. Something cheap, something that won't take all the money from their fun little weekend project. And uh, if the budget's there for that, then that's what I would do. If the budget's not there for that, then get something you know, slightly less sensible, but the same era in a manual, and they'll have fun with that until they can buy their own second car. What do you think? Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, you have you have you have a son. He's a couple years away from driving age. You know, <laughs> he's, he's like uh, a lot. He's like sixteen years away from it. Sixteen years is going to go by before you know it, Andrew. And uh, he's going to be driving, and he's going to want to drive your. Uh, 400 horsepower Eagle Talon. So, <laughs> anyway, you won't want it. It's like, that's a that's a 50 year old car, Dad. I don't want that. Uh, I think that if he's raised by you, he may want that. I, you did you did name him Eagle Talon, so <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. God, imagine. For those who do not know, Andrew's son's name is not Eagle Talon. That was no. That was definitely an inside joke. Be horrible. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm super no, excited. No, it's actually Glock VR4. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I'm uh, I'm super excited that his son wants to get into sports cars and wants to get into something fun, and I think it's a super cool place to uh, make a goal. But I think that you know, it might be something that he can enjoy with Chris on the weekends right now and just drive Chris's car with Chris present until he gets some actual driving experience under his belt. But uh, I apologize to your son for giving this advice and telling you not to let him get an RX-7. Sorry for the Corolla you inevitably wind up in. But, I mean, again, like, my daughter has that 07 WR, uh, sorry, 07 Impreza. You could buy a non-turbo Impreza 5-speed, and he'd probably enjoy that immensely as a 16-year-old. You know, it's a good handling car. It's safe. It's not super fast. 
and it's got a manual, so it'll be fun to drive. I, I, I see something like that as a pretty good place to put a kid as a car enthusiast, don't you? Yeah, he'll eventually end up as a rally driver. That's fine. I mean, it, it, even if he doesn't, you and I both had all-wheel drive cars in our late teen years, and neither one of us wound up being rally drivers, despite our best efforts. Our wallets mm-hmm. just never agreed. <laughs> So anyway, that's uh, that's my opinion. I think that uh, I'm, I'm excited for him. I just think that we need to dip our toes into the water before we dive in, right? Yep. Next. All right. So that was that was the first questions. Then I did a second post to try to get some more questions, but I just posted pictures of my engines with uh, maple things on them. Yes, it was a disaster. Um, mostly just because my joke was that I should just ask how to keep mice out of my car. Right. So everybody just gave me advice. Yes, they did. You had a lot of interaction on that post. Everybody gave me the same advice that we've tried, though, unfortunately. We all appreciate yeah. the advice, but it's nothing we didn't know. And uh, apparently it doesn't work on the mice in Andrew's yard. Yeah, so then somebody else said, no, those are chipmunks. But I don't know. I, I found mice. I don't know. I I, I mean, now that G20 engine bay. Like, I had dryer sheets in there. Now it has more dryer sheets. I mean, I had sprayed peppermint spray. Um, I'd sprayed peppermint spray in the Montero. The dryer sheets. Got um, old. No, Irish Spring. I'm like, old Irish, old English. Like, Irish Spring soap uh, in old, the interior. Old English. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just have to keep tracking it. <laughs> Keep checking it. I wound up with an engine for your car in my yard. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. I have an SR20N transmission in my side yard right now. Like separate from the car? Yes, they're not in the car. <laughs> yes. This uh, this project is uh, a project. Um, well, let me finish with a question here because... Okay. Uh, I also had from Andy underscore the underscore X underscore tech. Uh, not sure if it works, but I was told yesterday that WD-40 works. They don't like the smell. I'm going to try it. That'd be fine. Uh, to spray your entire engine made with WD-40. Underscore. I was going to underscore say underscore. <laughs> Am I supposed to spray the entire engine bay with it? Just like hose it down? Sure, or why do not? You put, do you put like a little bit of it in a cup somewhere under the hood? You could do that, or that sounds like could... to me like they, they would probably try to drink it and then just die. I mean, either way, you the could... problem's problem's over. Uh, you could spray your whole engine bay too; it keep from rusting. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I've, I've uh, already forgotten about rust, Andrew. Yeah, stunt nuts forty one thirty have a he says uh, have a heart traps that beside the front wheels already caught me a handful of chipmunks over the fall. So that must be like a catch released one. That have a hearts are the ones that they run into and then the trap door closes and they're just trapped mm. in there. But you have to remember about them or else they're even more cruel than the other kind because you just slowly starve them to death if you don't check them yeah. all the time. So have a hearts do work, but then you also now have a chipmunk or animal or God forbid a skunk in a cage and you have to get <laughs> rid of this being from that cage somehow. And uh, you inevitably wind up with skunks in there, and then it's just a huge pain in the ass. So, in my personal experience. <laughs> All right. But uh, Sigma underscore Woodcraft 
do you guys have any tips or preparations for daily driving an old car? And then he also followed up with, I'm used, I'm used to modern cars, so I don't even know the 90s basics. I mean, it's no different than it was in the 90s. Uh, the only difference now is I know he lives in Maine. And if yeah. he's going to be driving this 90s vehicle through the winter, he needs to make sure he gets some really good undercoating. A combination of New Hampshire oil undercoating and um, what's that peanut butter stuff? Peanut butter stuff? Yeah, the brown stuff he sprayed in the bottom of the Subaru. Fluid film? Fluid film. There you go. That's not made from peanut butter. <laughs> no, I know, but it looks and smells like peanut butter. That would be why I would have mice. <laughs> That's true. No, it's like it's like uh, plant oils. Yeah, but it looks and smells kind of like peanut butter. So I guess to me, it smells like a farm. Okay, it's just like vegetables. Like it, maybe it's just my power of suggestion, looking at the color and smelling a vegetable-based smell, thinking that it's peanuts, even though obviously vegetables are not peanuts. <laughs> but I'm aware of this before we get complaints into the show. I was actually just talking about this because I have a weird. Um, if you don't tell me what something is and you make me taste it, I have a hard time telling you what it is. A lot of people are like that. Yeah. Like Naomi brought me home a coffee and she's like, Oh, tell me what flavor this is. And I took a sip of it and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I really can't tell. Hazelnut. I can tell you what it's not. I was like, it's not pumpkin. It's not French vanilla. I was like, maybe eggnog. And she's like, it's eggnog. I was like, all right, cool. I get it. But eggnog latte, but unfortunately, and it's delicious and I love it, but I couldn't tell you what it was without knowing what it was. I don't have something about the taste of things. Some people could taste it and tell you immediately what it is. I can't do it. So anyway, yeah, so that's really it. I mean, other than making sure you have common failure parts on hand, just because if you have something from the nineties and it is your daily and you need an alternator and it's three days away, it'd be nice to have an extra one, you know, have, have belts, have alternator starter, Stuff that will strand the car for a few days, but it's a simple fix because you can't get parts. Yeah, um, check all the I fluids. Would, yeah, I would recommend having that uh, and keeping a container in the back with the key fluids, oils, coolant. Um, I usually have an extra coolant, uh, bottle of coolant and an extra upper and lower hose just in case. You know, all, all the typical simple failure points I like to keep keep up. Um Make sure if it's a 90s vehicle that you like WD-40 your rubbers are on your doors because they'll freeze shut if you don't do that because they don't seal quite as well as modern cars. Uh, and I used to always carry a thing of lock de-icer in my pocket because inevitably those old locks used to freeze up in the wintertime and you don't have keyless entry. So it's nice to have that lock de-icer to spray in there and unfreeze the locks. But other than that, a 90s car isn't, it's not like you're driving a 50s car. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it should be pretty modern otherwise. So I'm about to drive a 97 across country, so I should take my own advice, right? Yep. Yeah. All right, Steve Booten. I need to replace my truck that I sold, and I'm considering a third gen Montero. Is this the move? Those wide arches are begging for six lug TEs. What truck did he sell? I think he sold his Zuzu. He's definitely getting rid of his. Pretty sure he's getting rid of the Ford that's under Lemon Law. Is it really like modern Ford? Yeah. What happened with that? 
Um, I, I know it just kept going back. I forget what the problem was. I remember you told me about it. I'm not Washington, but now I forget. Interesting. I did not know that. That's uh, that sucks. That truck, was, that truck was one of the coolest modern trucks out there. Yeah, it all decked out perfectly. That sucks. Um, yeah, if he's getting rid of his daily driver, a third gen Montero is probably. I mean, once they're sorted, they're good, right? Yeah, I sent him a couple. I mean, they're they're still around like two or three grand. I mean, you got to make sure the timing belt is done, and you have that transfer case issue with the with the, with the switches. Lugs, the switches, yeah, yeah. It's like the six switches. Five or six switches. I mean, once you've done those switches and you've done, maybe the it's a break. Yeah, maybe a brake accumulator. And you've done the brake accumulator, and you've done Rear. The, the, ball, the ball joints and stuff. Um, I mean, that's uh, good no for, ball joints. Uh, I can't just check uh, them, obviously. But I, I think yeah. that once you've done all those things, the truck's good for a solid sixty thousand yeah. miles without even touching it. They, at that point, they used to go through front wheel bearings. Um. Rear calipers would seize because they'd rust. Sure. Rear adjuster bolts seize. For the alignment? Alignment. Okay. However, now, because they're becoming more popular platforms, um, our friends Adventure Driven Design has stuff for them. Yep. There's also Luso Overland is doing a lot of replacement parts, carrying for them. Yeah, I, I think right now is the time to get into a get into a third gen, just because of the the burgeoning popularity of them. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. I think they're at that they're at that critical point where they go from being just old used up trucks to like SU um, collectible almost SUVs. So I think now would be the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I fully support this. Um, they're another one of those trucks where they're old. But they're modern enough to use every day, and if you drove an F two fifty every day, the fuel mileage isn't going to be an issue. No, that's the one probably worst part about them. They don't get great fuel mileage, but they're big, comfortable. They're unibody. They ride nice, and they still get off. They sold a lot. Yeah, of them too. They're a lot. They're a lot more common than first and second gens. Yep, absolutely. They're a lot more truck than a first and second gen. You know what I mean? They're yeah. a lot more. They're, they're basically a Lexus. Yeah, uh, a lot equivalent. more for money. Yep. They were like they were like a discount version of a Lexus, without actually being discount in quality. They were very nice trucks inside. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, I wholeheartedly built support that. Basically, Diamantes and those Monteros were basically Lexus uh, and like Acura fighters, but without the without the name recognition. Again, it's Mitsubishi and their lack of marketing killed them every time. Yes. I I honestly think though that with those vehicles. If they had created a separate luxury brand like Lexus or Acura, Diamond I, Brand, I, yeah, I mean, I bet it would have Diamond taken Motors. Off. I, I I bet it would have taken off. Yeah, because uh, those cars are equivalent of those for sure. And then they could have used the they could have made a premium version of, you know, the at the time the third gen Eclipse to compete with like the G twenty and and Integra and stuff. But I don't know that that. Mitsubishi marketing is fraught with errors since the seventies. Mm-hmm. That's just a, that's another one of those bad moments. But no, that'd be cool. That's that's a neat truck, and uh, he's got that big, you know, tent that he had in the roof of his or in the rack of his F two fifty. Could probably support that up on the roof of the Montero and use some of the lights that he has. And yeah, that would be cool. And I definitely support the TE decision. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good look on that truck. 
All right, one more question. We'll wrap this up uh, for questions. Uh, Eric Vogel, 10 years ago, Saab Automobile officially filed for bankruptcy. Which brand, if any, have filled their niche in the marketplace? Which brand have filled Saab's niche? Yeah. I mean, the easy go-to is Volvo, right? I think Subaru. So I've made this comparison before. Um, Saab has always been an upmarket brand. Volvo used to be like one level under Saab as far as luxury mm. goes, I think. I don't think so. No? No. Comparing like I a... mean, I've made this argument too that it was like Audi, Volvo, Saab were not really luxury brands in the early days. Yeah, they were kind of a premium middle of the road brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe Saab. They've gone on market over the years. Volvo became more expensive. People used to own Volvos because they were sensible, practical cars that lasted a long time. Switched to Subarus in the late 90s, 2000s. Yeah, for sure. And then now you've just got that. That's why Subaru just exploded with uh, sales and brand loyalty. Yeah. So maybe Saab. I think Saab you probably have a lot of Saab people. Went to Subarus. Went to Subarus too. Because there was a lot of Saab Subaru dealers. Yeah, and they had the crossover vehicle there, the nine two airplanes, X. the whole airplane thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the nine two X. Yeah, the nine Yeah, it's got to be Saab, Subaru. That's, Saab, that's my answer. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong, and you're, you're probably right. That's why Subaru got so big when it did because they were taking all of the Volvo buyers that did not want to spend fifty or sixty grand on a Volvo that used to spend twenty or thirty grand on a Volvo. And they took all the sob buyers. So, yeah, that makes sense. I'll go with that. That checks out. All right, cool. Finish those questions. Hey, you sound like you're you, making you uh, coffee stuff. over there or something. Oh, yeah, I had some water. Yeah. Lots of noise. Sorry, not, not using the regular mic, so I can't mute. Oh, okay. What the hell's going on over there? Yeah, yeah, it's just like a, it's using a laptop, like I'm on a conference conference call gotcha anyway uh m sport debuted an m sport panda like a fiat panda yep it's all done up like a m sport rally car like a fiesta yep super cool i, I honestly exactly. when i first saw the picture of it i was like ah, oh, it's a render whatever and i ignored it <laughs> and then i realized there was a youtube video of it yeah no it's a real car oh yeah I, it's super cool i don't it's remember really it cool powered by I, don't I, think know. It, I think it has the Fiesta engine. It does. Probably. Yep. So it's, a, it's basically a Fiesta R5 underneath the Fiat Panda body with like these like super square box flares. Like, yeah, actual I don't know box, why they built box it. Flares. <laughs> like, why not? Yeah. It was like a winter project. I don't know. It was just cool. Yeah. Boredom, I guess. Yeah. But no, it's, it's, it's super dope. Um, I like Fiat Pandas because, of course, I do. Uh, and to see one with like box flares and that crazy driveline, it actually reminds me of the uh, MG Metro Rally car, the Group E car. Mm. It's a very similar style to that. What's cool about the Fiesta? So these Fiesta R fives. These are the front engine ones, right? Yes, yeah. the rally cars are front engine. Okay. Well, I was thinking about the rear-engined Fiestas and Rally Cross, but it's not that. It's the front engine one. Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, just Google it, I guess. It's Google or uh, M Sport Fiat Panda. Yeah, it's on and YouTube. A bunch, it's a really bunch good. of pictures of it come up. And Short video. Uh, it's good. 
yeah, it's a rad little car. So, other huge car news, at least for like enthusiasts, I guess. Tire Rack was purchased by Discount Tire. Yep. Which seemed kind of insane to me. I don't know why I didn't. But, you know, when you talk about it, you're like, yeah. Or when you think about it, you're like, yeah, Discount Tire is really big. They're huge. Yeah. I learned today that the guy who owns Discount Tire is the richest man in Arizona. That makes sense. Yep. I mean, I pulled up what a 10 mile radius of my house and there were like 12 Discount Tire stores. Mm hmm. So, and all they do is tires and wheels. Yeah. And I guess no it's Ameri- mechanic work. I guess it's America's Tire in California. So it's Discount Tire, America's Tire, and now Tire Rack are all one company. And it makes sense because you'll, they'll probably, ex- I don't, is there Discount Tires out here? There are some popping up. Um, and there's been some, there's some America's Tires, I think, out there now too. Um, yeah. They're buying some local chains up, which is, yeah. you know, welcome to corporate America, right? Everything is owned by one company and it's happening with tires now. However, I'm hoping it's not a bad thing because I actually exclusively use discount tire now out here because their service is so good. Um, I have a credit card with them that literally gets me zero interest every time I buy tires and I just, you know, pay them off over like four or five months without even worrying about it at zero interest. Like... And I have a lot of cars, so I have a lot of tires. Yeah, um, and it, um, it's funny because I usually end up using either Discount Tire online or Tire Rack, depending yep. on what tire I'm looking for and who has it, because they don't always have the same tires. Correct. Well, now they now they will. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the cool thing is, is that what I like about Discount Tire is, if you buy the tires from them, and it's like an extra twenty bucks. For their roadside assistance, not roadside assistance, excuse me, let me change that. Their lifetime warranty is 20 bucks for the lifetime warranty, and you get lifetime rotations for free. And I do everything with them because you roll in, they rotate your tires, they send you on your way. Uh, and then if you get a flat, no matter for what, even your own fault, you bring it back into them and they give you a tire. And if it's more than like, uh, more than or less than 70% worn, they don't even charge you any kind of betterment. They just give hmm. you a brand new tire. So I buy the tires from them for everything now. Um, any tire I've bought since I've lived here has been through Discount Tire. Even the ones in the Eclipse that I've had installed in Alabama when I bought the car, I purchased from Discount and had them send out there for all mm-hmm. those reasons. Because it's just they're such a good company and they have what's really neat is they have a free airline at every discount tire store and there's so many of them and you don't even get out of your car they had a kid that sits outside all day and just fills tires up Hmm. so if you have like a low tire on your way to work you roll in he checks all four tires and sends you on your way so they're like super customer service based and i mean they've been relatively affordable for everything and the other pro tip for all our listeners, if you go into a discount tire and you tell them you found that tire cheaper and you give them any random number that's not ridiculous, they'll just make it that price. No. Yeah. Pro. So <laughs> pro tip. <laughs> um, a coworker of mine did that just the other day. Uh, she bought four tires and like four, like 33 inch off-road tires. And they were like, you know, 180 bucks a piece or something. And she's like, well, I found them online for 160. And they're like, okay. 
They didn't ever prove it. They didn't do anything. They just knocked 20 bucks off each tire. Nice. Yep. So, I mean, I'm sure if you're in there, it's like, I found them online for $32. They might have been uh, a yeah. little more, but pick a reasonable number and try it. And uh, they generally will say yes. So that yeah. just means the markup on tires is ridiculous. I like Tire Rack because they live at a distribution center in Connecticut. So I get stuff like next day. And they do a lot of discounts with the SCCA, so you can get your racetrack tires. Excellent. With like a coupon, because they when you do, you know, when you do Track Nights America, it's sponsored by Tire Rack. Sure. So they give out, you give you coupons with all that stuff. So. Yeah, I'm assuming discounts probably take all those things as well, but. Yeah. Again, for for me, just having that zero percent interest credit card is just like it makes it a no brainer to buy tires, like. Used to like suck to buy tires and like, oh man, I gotta spend a thousand dollars in tires today. And I was just like, all right, I gotta spend a thousand dollars in tires and I'll just give them a hundred bucks every month for the next 10 months and not worry about it. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, I don't know, play with their money, right? Mm. So, and then again, like I said, their, their service has been second to none. They actually, they lost a center cap on uh, Naomi's Hyundai last time he brought it in there. And we went back and we're like, hey, we're missing the center cap. And they like called the Hyundai dealer. And bought a new center cap. And then on her car, you have to take the wheel off to put the center cap on. And uh, they just, they brought it right in, popped the wheel off, put the center cap back on for us, and sent us on our way and didn't charge us a dime, thankfully. But uh, also didn't give us any kind of a hard time, which is like, oh yeah, probably. We'll take care of it. Like, there's no issues with them at all. They're a great company. So, but what I do, another thing about them is they said they're, they're just sell tires and wheels. They don't do anything mechanical. So they're super efficient. You never have your car like sitting there like, oh, we took your car apart and realized you need wheel bearings, so we can't do it. What they'll do is they'll say, we brought your car in to do wheel bearings. So sorry, to do tires. We noticed your wheel bearings are bad. We'd rather not put the tires on the car, get the car fixed first. And they don't send you to anywhere specific, so they're not trying to upsell you anything. They're just saying like, we're not going to put these in your car because you're going to wear them out in 10,000 miles please go get your car fixed first. So they're really pretty efficient. They don't even do alignments there. Like you have to bring a car somewhere else to get an alignment. Oh, weird. Yeah. That kind of blew my mind. But like I said, it makes sense because now they never have to worry about getting a car on an alignment rack. And now they have an issue with stuck, you know, adjustments and anything else in the car or parts being an issue or anything else like that. So they just put your tires in your car and say, all right, go down the street to your local alignment. Yeah. I think take care of most repair shops don't care because they don't make any money on tires. Right. That's not as, where your money comes from if you own a repair shop. Yeah, and especially in a place that has discount tires 12 within 10 miles. Yeah. They know they're not going to make any money. What blows my mind is that there's still tons of other tire places here. There's a lot of places that are called um, uh, Lanteras. It's LL Lantera. Uh, it's Spanish for tire shop. Um, and they're you know known locally as the Mexican tire shops. And there's tons of them around that sell used tires. And there's so many tire shops out here because we have no vehicle inspections. So people just drive their cars until the wheels fall off. So there's like a need for all these tire shops. Also, tires don't last very long out here because 120 degree heat. Hmm. So they get pretty uh, pretty worn out pretty quick. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of okay with it. I'm annoyed at the same time because, you know, one company will everything will be under Walmart eventually, but it is what it is. At least I like discount tire, you know. 
Yeah. So, anyway, Discount Tires sponsored this podcast. Apparently, I should uh, send yeah. them a copy. See if I can get some cheap tires. Yeah, I guess you should. I, you know, I shouldn't do that because I told everybody how to get cheaper tires from them. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they won't sponsor us. Oh, anyway, moving on. I see yeah. uh, that the three G shutdown is going to screw some people up, huh? Yeah. So if you're not aware, they're shutting down three G to make room for more cell service and towers because everything switched over to 5g um and then i guess like i don't know there was like a bunch it was kind of a trend between like 2016 and 2019 to have like connected car things yep uh part of it's like onstar type stuff sure it works off 3g it's not gonna work anymore (laughs) by the end of uh i think the final company to phase out 3G will be Verizon, and I think they're talking December 2022. Okay. So, like, you can go you can go online and find it. Like, there's a whole list of, of cars that have affected features. This is going to be a problem moving forward on everything, unfortunately. Well, this is why you just... So what car companies just need to do, need to do and I, I think what most of them are doing, all they're doing is giving you an infotainment system that just has Android Auto or CarPlay in it. And all you need to do is make sure it has that connectivity, that everything else, the music, the cell service, all of that GPS is is contained in the person's phone, that those get updated a lot quicker. Here's the other problem with that, though, is that eventually that technology is not going to mesh with the current generation of phones either. Like if you have some early Bluetooth stuff, you can't use it with your new phones because the, oh, the stuff is different. Okay, well that's that's your fault for having an old car, man. I don't. But I mean, that's the thing is that we we listen. We preach the old car. That's our thing. But so thirty but, years but, from now, so you switch the radio out to something that works. But I'm talking I'm talking about what's happening with new cars. Yeah, so and can... my problem with new cars though is that there's going to be issues because a lot of these cars. You know, BMW is the biggest, you know, part of this. A lot of the features in the car are unlocked through a subscription-based program. So when the car is old, that subscription-based program is not going to be able to be updated if it can't connect to the network anymore. Yeah, who cares about it? That's That was dumb for them putting that in. It was a lot dumb. of car companies, though, are just doing basic head units that just have a screen because you have to have a screen to have backup camera. And all it does is do CarPlay and Android Auto. That's all my wife's car does. That's all my Volkswagen does. We don't have a CD player. We don't have a tape player. It's funny. My 13 Volkswagen is... Yeah, we talked about this like two episodes ago. It has like all of the... All the options except for cassettes. Yeah. Yeah. MP3, CD, and yeah. I'm I'm out here for work. I got or similar... I rented the cheapest thing possible, which is Mirage. I still haven't driven one. I keep trying to rent one. Yeah. But I, we got to the row, and they're like, yeah, you pick anything you want. And they're like, okay, well, I'm going to take that brand new Frontier because uh, it's a 2022. Sure. Yeah, and it's the brand and, new style, too. And it's literally just a touchscreen that I plugged my phone into, and it instantly worked. Yeah. No, that's cool. Same thing happened when I, brought, I rented the Outlander Sport. Yeah, I've Plugged never in, used CarPlay. Boom. I've never used Android Auto. I'm sure it's fine. It's Maybe awesome. Just try it's it. just like it, it works the same as CarPlay. You plug it in. You you can pull up your podcast app. You can pull up Google Maps. 
whatever you want, your music app, it'll just play to the dash. Your steering wheel controls work it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, whatever whatever my next long-term daily is, I'll have to make sure I, uh, if it's not new enough to have Android Auto, I'll have to make sure I buy a head unit with it. I yeah, never, I mean, you can even get a single bin that has a little screen if you really want to show the map. Yeah, like I said, whatever my whatever my next long-term daily is, I don't know if the Saab's going to be a long-term daily or not. But As long as you get a head unit that can stream through the USB of the phone. Right. So it charges at the same time. Sure thing. Perfect. Because that'll even give you the audio of the the Google Maps. The Google Maps. Update. I was um, just outbid on the Toyota Cressida. Oh, uh-oh. So somebody just bid $400. Uh-oh. It's high stakes here. All right. So speaking of new cars and Toyotas, Toyota debuted a bunch of renders as EVs. Yep, I didn't really dumb. read anything about it. <laughs> I literally looked at the images, and I saw they were renders, and I passed it off as whatever. <laughs> yep, it's dumb. Why build, build me an actual concept car? Yeah, I don't care about a render. I, I get it's kind of the same thing. We're teasing the future, just like a concept car would, but it just it reeks of laziness. I don't like it. They they built like an entire fleet of these renders, yeah. like thirty cars. Like this is our future lineup. Like I, what? <laughs> like no, it's not. Like, yeah, that's right. what one guy thought it is. That's not your future lineup. <laughs> so no, that's dumb. I don't even want to spend any time on that. It's a render. We're out of it. It's over. All right. So, cars. speaking of electric cars, yeah, the future. What was the last event you went to? I went to an event called Autopia Twenty Ninety Nine, which was announced on this podcast. It was actually last January. So I need to make sure I went. Um, couple things about it. One, the name is super cool, um, because the Autopia attraction at Disney World was originally intended to talk about the future of motoring. So incorporating the Autopia name into this event and make calling it 2099 and making it a car show about all electric vehicles or alternative powered vehicles um, is a really cool concept. You know, our friend Bradley Brunell and uh, a couple of other of his friends put the show on. Um, I know, I don't, I don't want to say people's names because I'll miss a couple of them, but um, well, Ethan Tufts. Yeah, Ethan Tufts and Jeff Glucker were the two main guys, mm-hmm. I think, that went on. Um, Jeff also is a Montero owner, so we like him automatically, right? Yeah. So, a oh, Gen 1 owner as well, actually. Um, yeah, it was it was super cool. So, when you hear electric car car show, it doesn't always, like, you know, raise interest, right? And then the first thing you think is like, oh, it's going to be a Tesla dealer. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have been more wrong. So there were probably 75 cars at the car show. There were three Teslas total. So I don't know if Tesla owners are just not into this kind of thing because they're not... I, don't know. Uh, I feel like they want any opportunity to tell you about their car. Right, but maybe they figured like a all-electric car show, they'd just be lost in the sea of other electric car owners. Nobody would want to hear about their Tesla. Wouldn't you be lost in the sea of other 
Tesla owners that are only Tesla car show? That's what I mean. Like, do they even exist? Do they even happen? Would it just be a bunch of Tesla owners yelling at each other about the Tesla? How great right. it is? But what I'm saying is this We're just Tesla... collapsed into a black hole of Tesla love? Yeah, that'd be great. So this event was all electric car show. So I expected it to be a flood of Teslas, like a whole Tesla class. But in reality, there were only three Teslas the entire day, two of which were very modified. Um, and one of which was a brand new plaid, which is kind of cool in the performance car side of things. Uh, the majority of cars there were either weird off-brand EVs that have come and gone. or Which I like the idea of that. That's kinda super cool. cool. Or vintage cars that have been converted to run on electric power, mm. which I was a long-standing hater of, but I've slowly over the past probably year, year and a half, kind of gotten on board with, and now I am like fully invested. Like I'm down. I, I don't want every car to be an EV. Um, no, it's the but, right car. But the right car, the right parts, and the it's car done the nicely. Sh- the car of the show for me, I'll just get right to it. It actually won best of show was a 1963 Corvair convertible. It was done so well that if you didn't know, you would just think it was a nicely restored Corvair. Yeah. And then looking at the, that the pictures you had of it, one of the things that is like aesthetically pleasing and that a lot of show cars do gas engine cars do is they do a shaved engine bay. Yeah. This thing basically has a shaved engine bay because there's no yeah. components that you need. Yeah, they formed like a almost like a bathtub. Actually, it kind of was like a slop sink, I would say, of like stainless steel panels to go around and shield the electric motor from everything. Um, and it just cleaned up the whole thing. And the other beauty that I like about this style of EV conversion is that technically it's fully reversible because they just made a plate that bolts the electric motor to the factory transmission. So it's still a four-speed manual bolted to the electric motor. And then everything else, it's a Corvair. So it has that entire frunk where they're able to put some batteries and then put batteries alongside the frame rails in the back where there's not like cylinder heads anymore. Where the fuel tank was. The fuel tank is some of the batteries are and some of the batteries are next to the motor underneath those metal plates. The metal yeah, so uh, distributed around, yeah. Yeah, distribute the weight around the car. So now he took this car that, listen, I love Corvairs. I'm sure you at least respect them for what they are. I don't know if you love them or not. Um, they're a super cool car, super neat car. Some weird engineering went on behind them. The engines aren't exactly the most reliable things in the world, and they all leak. So you took the worst part of a Corvair, which is also kind of the coolest part of the Corvair, but that's okay, and put an electric motor in its place. Now you have an electric Corvair that will cruise on the freeway drama-free at 80, 85 miles an hour. Because 150 miles of range, which is, you know, not ideal, ideal, but for your weekend fun car, that's fine. Uh, it can be charged at any of the charging network across America, uh, which obviously needs some work as well, which we can get into later, but... Overall, it's like, I, I don't see the downside. Like, I don't want to see some big block Camaro SS change to electric. I don't want to see Hemi Cudas change to electric. But for the average old car that the motor doesn't add a ton to it, 
I'm kind of down with it. A, a big old like '50s cruiser. The engine isn't what you're there for. You're there for the smooth, big old cruiser ride, right? So if you have an electric motor in there instead, you get that big old cruiser ride in total silence. So the, the one thing I will say is you better make sure that you uh, have everything else tightened down because the engine noise is gone. So every other rattle in the car is probably exasperated, but mm. uh, it, it's just, it's a super cool concept. And for the right vintage vehicle, I'm down with it. I mean, there are a couple of Volkswagens there. That's a super easy one to do as well because the motor just hangs out the back. So you take out the motor and bolt the electric yeah. motor. To the and the NSU would be a great the NSU conversion. would be an interesting one to do it to as well, because why not, right? Um, it would actually make it, a, make it a faster car. <laughs> You'd actually be able to do highway speed it would, with that. It would make most of these cars faster cars. Like that, like I said, that Corvair could cruise 80 miles an hour now. It probably is 120. Like, I mean, it's, it's cool. <laughs> I, I really dig it. I don't know what else to say. I, you know, the only issue I think of doing it to cars like the NSU is I don't know if that gearbox could handle the torque of an electric motor. Well, see, that's the thing that comes down to the controls. Yeah. You can tune it. You can tune yeah. that torque curve. So a, a couple uh, of... Let me just tell you that from being in the industry now. Yeah, that's it's, true. So you, they can make... I, I've been told, they're like, yeah, we can make this thing just light the tires up, or we or can, make, can it make it drop off, like off really smooth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's probably a valid point. So yeah, maybe, maybe that is the way. Um, one of the exciting things that came that I noticed the show was that one of the main sponsors of the show was AEM. Um, I didn't know they made their own control units for yeah, Tesla motors. So they have control units for Tesla motors and they make all this componentry to take Tesla batteries and Tesla motors and make them work in whatever. So one, they had two show cars there. They had an S2000. That was a SEMA car from last year. Uh, and they had a 2006 Mustang GT. So the cool thing about this Mustang GT, when I was talking to the guy about, I wish I remembered his name top of my head, but I, I'll have to look it up. Uh, actually, we follow each other on Instagram. And he's a DSM guy. Um, he works for AEM. We were chatting about the Mustang. And in order, so, so the Mustang runs like 11.2 in the quarter mile. Nice. So in order to make an 05 Mustang run 11.2 in the quarter mile with a gas engine, there's no way to make it smog legal in California. No way. This doesn't have to worry about that because now you have an 11 second Mustang that you can also drive to the grocery store and you can still get plated in California. Yeah, they so, don't care because it's, no, it's zero emissions. Yeah. So that in itself to me was kind of like, oh, that's cool. Like we can make that happen now without much drama and you can literally just drive the thing anywhere because it's just a quiet electric car that will click off 11 second quarter miles. So it was it was neat to see. I mean, there there was all kinds of cool stuff there. Um, there was some pretty hefty money behind it. Uh, Nissan was the primary sponsor. They had one of their um, uh, E Grand Prix cars there. Yeah, a couple of their typical, typical EVs. Uh, Harley Davidson Livewire. So Harley Davidson was the other main sponsor, and they had all the Livewire motorcycles there. Which did you know they rebranded? As just Livewire? Just Livewire. They got rid of Harley okay. off of them. So okay. that's a callback, I think, to an episode where we talked about that the Harley market isn't ready for an electric motorcycle yet. No. Um, 
And I think that Harley must have realized that because they pulled the Harley name off of it. And now it's just called the Livewire as its own separate entity. They also knocked $10,000 off the retail price. How did you get them to let you try one? It was a $30,000 motorcycle when it was a Harley. Now it's twenty. Yeah. So by the time you buy that, and now you have all your incentives from the government for buying an electric vehicle, you could be in a brand new live wire for like thirteen grand, mm. which is a pretty enticing proposition, right? Yeah. Um, it was neat because Livewire put a bunch of money behind the event. Uh, they hi- actually hired Race Service, the uh, motorsports marketing company, to do all the promotions and to do all of the decorations of the of the area. Um, they brought in a coffee truck that made like fancy coffees the whole day and didn't charge a dime. Like it was a super cool event and, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to next year's. So I got to talk to Bradley about it. Um, I mentioned it in passing, but I think it was during too much else going on that I think it'd be cool to have like, uh, an RC slot car section as well. Like that's where people get involved in electric cars. Like you and I grew up with electric cars just in small scale, right? Yeah. You have Tamaya come by. Yeah. Get some of the manufacturers to come by. Are they still in Southern California? I do not know, but I know that a lot of like the RC crawlers, the the truck style ones, those are American based companies. Uh, There was a guy there driving around his little RC Bronco. Um, And I was like, well, man, that's, that'd be cool to have a little section for that and get some of those manufacturers involved. Cause I mean, that's, that's what we grew up with. We had electric cars. <laughs> they were just small scale. Yeah. So it'd be kind of, kind of neat to have that there as well. So I don't know. I was, I was super excited by it. I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I knew it was going to be a good time just because, you know, I know Bradley knows how to be involved with putting on a pretty good event and uh, did not disappoint. So the one thing I did have to laugh at the Tesla, one of the Teslas that was modified had a sound box. So he could make it sound like whatever gas car he wanted. <laughs> and it had external speakers. But it sounded like, uh, I don't even want to say Gran Turismo 1. It sounded like Sega GT Rally. Like, Weird. it was definitely digitized. It did not sound good. I think in, you know, modern times, you should be able to make that sound a little better. But it was definitely a gimmick. And it was definitely funny. And the kids loved it. But it was definitely odd. And the car was all done up with graphics and lights and lowered. And the guy was all about talking to anybody who walked by about it, making it make the noise all day. So test loaders. But yeah, it was, it was, it was funny, but yeah, it was, it was a cool show. Like the Corvair is my car of the show. There were two converted Volkswagen air cooled, one bus, one beetle. There was a, like a mid early seventies BMW 3.0, the coupe. But hmm. it was just an automatic, like so nothing special. Hmm. And that was converted to to electric. There was an original Mini that was electric converted. Yeah, that would seem um, like a good, good car for that too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else? There was a late 30s Jaguar that was electric converted, which purists would be like, oh my God, you can't ruin that car. But he didn't ruin the car. He bought the shell out of a junkyard. Yeah. So if he didn't buy that car and electric convert it, it would be crushed into a cube by now. This is my point. Um, the way to get people excited about electric cars is to make them not look like little egg cars. Yeah, which no, you're speaking of, didn't right. uh, didn't somebody with an iBeam take a trophy home? Uh, so the trophy was for slow charging, um, and the woman had a purple iBeam that they bought 
almost new or new and they've had all this time and uh she drove it i think 55 miles to the show Ooh, that's about the max range so she had to plug it in at the show to get most of the way home um <laughs> she was talking about how she has 60 miles of range on the highway but she gets more if she stays at like 50 miles an hour so she took the extra long way which added more miles but she's able to come down the coast at like 45 miles an hour and was able to like pretty much hypermile it <laughs> to get more range and she pulled oh in gosh. and she had 40 percent battery left so, this is my other gripe with mitsubishi is that so nissan was the sponsor mitsubishi had a full electric ev 10 years ago and yeah, they, they were almost stopped. the first they just didn't yeah. keep expanding on that technology it yeah, was they're really way good. out of the curve. actually naomi and i were behind in imev last night in traffic too we we're like whoa what so weird so. But a goofy little golf cart car instead of making it cool looking. Yeah, I mean, it worked in Japan. Like, that was the styling of cars in Japan at the time. Yep, it just didn't work here. It was just too Japanese to bring here. There was a uh, first gen RAV4 that was there that was all electric. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot that those was, existed. Yeah, that was produced by Toyota. That wasn't an aftermarket conversion. So that was cool. I guess uh, the guy who owned it was saying that the only issue is that the degradation of the batteries over the years is gotten a little bit bad so his range is down a lot but and it's not worth spending the money to buy the new batteries mm-hmm. for it but yeah that's the other problem yeah that's the current problem with these conversions the, the motors aren't terribly expensive but Battery batteries and controllers and all the other stuff is yeah so well there's two main sources for batteries right now obviously teslas um and the other one people use is ford c-max yep so those are the cheaper ones but they're less efficient than the ones from the Tesla's are so and there's a couple different things out there I guess there's the, the Nissan Leaf you're able to tune those to make a lot more power than they make in the Leaf mm-hmm. and people are using those to, to power things and I don't know there's there's all kinds of cool stuff and I'm you gotta work a little bit harder at it but it exists it's you do and then you have to work a little bit harder to keep it charged up unfortunately there's some issues with the nationwide charging network um it's what needs to happen is it needs to be universal like getting gas is you need to be able to pull up with your credit card put your credit card in and go to town you uh shouldn't have to use multiple apps just to get your fill up on electrons i think that's that technology needs to catch up a little bit too but yeah if if i had some extra money and some extra time i would uh look into finding some engineless car somewhere and converting it to electric just because why not right Yep. I don't think I want to take apart a good running car, but I found some project car that needed a motor. Like the whole way driving home from California, I was like, how could I convert that pickup truck to electric? Like that would be an ideal candidate. It's a pickup truck. I can truck. tell you it's easier than doing a hybrid conversion. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Because there's a lot of extra controls. Yep. Nope. I just want to make it electric. But... Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was neat. So look up. Uh, Autopia 2099 on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and uh, follow those guys and uh, check into when the date for the next show is. They definitely want to do another show. Uh, probably January of next year at this point, I think. Well, no, sorry. What month is it? December? December of next year. So. Cool. Should be a good time. Yeah, we're not. Uh, I know we talk a lot about electric cars, but it's just because it's a, a current thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, we just like technology, so. 
yeah, we're not we're not fully anti it. I'm a, I'm a little bit more on the believer side now. So yeah, it's coming. Uh, yeah. Gas cars aren't going anywhere though. Nope, I don't think in our lifetime we'll see the end of gas cars. I just think that we'll see more electric cars. So. Somebody was complaining that oh they're not they're gonna stop making parts for gas cars. You buy up all your parts now or or sell your gas cars now at the top of the market. It's like sure. oh, no, that's what you're seeing is just issues from COVID, like yeah, supply chain issues. It's not yep. And if you look back into the history of hot rodding and cars. You know, as back as early as the mid '70s, they were hailing the end of the internal combustion engine. So it's been going on for a while. It's and you know, there's a lot of other countries yeah, that cannot switch to electric. Yeah. So and, and honestly, yeah. you know, you see it in Boston, probably a lot of electric cars. When I go to California, I see a lot of electric cars. Here in Phoenix, there's a lot of electric cars. The most, the majority of the country. There's no electric cars because there's no infrastructure yet, so right. it's it's coming, but it's a ways off. And they're expensive, <laughs> and they're expensive. E- even with the with the the credits. I mean, to buy a small electric car, brand new, versus a small gas car, brand new, it's the, almost the price of two of them sometimes. So, much like yeah, anything, technology is coming that will blow away old technology. And I'm bullish on it, but it's not going to happen overnight. Nope. Nope. It's happening, but it's not happening overnight. So, I just want to get in before we lose the uh, carpool lane access. Okay. <laughs> electric car drivers. <laughs> All right. I know you guys should get an electric car just for commuting around Phoenix. Yeah, we 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 keep talking about if we ever have to replace her her Sonata. You we'll have plenty of other cars for a long commute. We'll probably need. buy a used e Golf because they're good mm-hmm. and they're cheap. So. Conversation's been had, so we'll see what happens. So real real quick, I touched on it funnily for a second there. Um, I have an SR20 in my driveway. Yeah. Um, stepson Jordan bought, well, traded an Xbox for a car, which, you know, the joke always is like, list your car for sale online, somebody offers to trade you an Xbox. Well, he did, and the guy bought. So we have... What kind of Xbox? Xbox One S. The new one. Newer one, yeah, yeah, like a four hundred dollar Xbox. Oh, not the newest one. Yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Yep. Whatever. The kid, uh, the kid was like, "Oh, okay." Well, he had a roommate that was living with him, and he bought the Xbox for the roommate. And uh, he doesn't play video games on a console. He uses PC, so he never used it. So he's like, "Well, I don't need it anyway." And uh, he wants to go to Radwood with us. He wants his own car to go to Radwood with. So he picked up a 1988 Nissan Micra. So a car not sold in the States. It's a little one liter. It's actually the same chassis as like the Nissan Figaro and the BE1. Hmm. Um, came with an SR20 swap, an SR20 swap, not installed. Oh, the picture you said it was sitting in the engine bay. It was sitting in the engine bay, yeah, which I thought it was installed, but it's not. Um, so, but the beauty of it is, is that it came with an SR20 and transmission, but it also came with the one liter and transmission. So I think what we're going to do is just sell the SR20 because that's like a thousand dollars, right? Ah, um, uh, maybe I don't know. A couple of SR20s to pull a premium one. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for Race Force <laughs> to sell it, but uh, and then it used um, even if it's five hundred dollars, use that money to put the rest of the car back together because we have all the parts. Can to you put the one liter back in? It. What what transmissions with it? It's a little five speed. Okay, 
Can you do me a favor? Double check that it's not a LST transmission. I can take a look. The motor came out of an SER. I know that. Yeah, I'm not sure if it came with one on the SER. It may have. I'll have to look. Do you want to buy a transmission? If, if that's the case, then I would buy the transmission. Off All right, we'll pallet it up and get it out there. I, I, <laughs> I'm not sure how I figure that out. Well, we'll have to look it up. Yeah. Yeah, look up how to look it up. It's li- Look up how to figure it out. It's literally sitting in my driveway. So. All right. Um, but it's cool. It's Nissan Micra. It came out of England originally. Uh, it's red with a gray interior. It's clean little car. Like, it's neat looking. I've never even seen one in person. So I wish it was a second gen Micra because then I'd be totally into it because I remember the Tommy Kyra one from Gran Turismo. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's super neat. And I was like, he's like, yeah, I want to bring it to the house and we can work on it. I was like, that's cool. So it's now in my junkyard next door to the house. So. Anyway, need to watch that. I'll uh, I'll post some pictures when I get some pictures. It looks funny right now because the front end is 32 feet in the air because there's no engine in it. But yeah, it's cool. I dig it. Yeah, it's really cool. So keep an eye out for pictures of that guy. Yeah. But... All right. Well, on that note, I'd say uh, keep cars analog and aim for the roses. Also follow us on social media. Podcast on Instagram, TSI SS350 on Instagram. Yep. I am uh, Race and Anger on Instagram. And uh, we're on all major podcast platforms. So, you know, I haven't checked out in a while. Is any reviews? So, yeah, I I haven't checked like our followers or reviews or if anybody's even listening anymore. Yeah. So, if you're you're a new listener, welcome. I think we do have a couple of years listeners new listeners but um definitely leave us some reviews because that helps us uh go up in the rankings yeah for sure we should uh remind people that the beginning of the episode before they've gotten bored and gone away yeah before they get um, before, they, before they realize they don't like us and don't leave a good review uh, we do have some oh, stuff these guys started coming. so positive i'll leave them a good review <laughs> uh I've, I've got some stickers coming i've got keychains that i had made yep uh they literally came like in January of 2020 out of Asia. Like I got them just out of Asia right before COVID. We were all so, so hopeful then. Um, and that was two years ago, Andrew. Yeah, they've been sitting Whoa. in my garage. I haven't done anything with them. Um, Crazy. Because we've been waiting to launch a website. We're trying to launch a website for 2022. Yep. We're going to keep saying it so we do it. Yep. Hold um, us accountable. Because we want to get back into actually having uh, content and not beholden to uh, the metaverse. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't good when that went down. Nobody could find us anywhere. Nope. So, well, uh, you know, as always, like I said, keep cars analog and aim for the roses.